0: Our special guest today is Dr. Michael Santucci, an audiologist and president and founder of Sensophonics, which is a globally known audio company based in Chicago, Illinois. They make custom molded in-ear monitors, earplugs and hearing protection for musicians, sound engineers for industrial use, motorsports and for aircraft pilots. And they even make them for Space Shuttle astronauts. Dr. Santucci also heads up the Listen Safe initiative as a team member of the World Health Organization. Hi, Dr. Sanducci. How are you doing today?
1: Great. Thank you very well.
0: So um, are you in Chicago or where, where's your office based?
1: Our office is really close to downtown Chicago. We, we chose that location because so many bands come through here. Pretty much North America, Chicago gets everybody. Right. There's a tour coming around. It comes through here. Is centrally located and a lot of times tours even stay here they're doing other midwest cities they don't want to stay in st louis or milwaukee perhaps and then stay in chicago and just go back and forth so the bands are here and uh when they need services we were right here and i could either go to the hotel room or they'd come to the office
0: yeah that's great yeah chicago i mean we were talking so it's winter time in chicago it's a little chilly <laughs> but but that is a great hub, especially I know for as a musician in the summertime, there's tons and tons of gigs in that area within the, I guess, the tri-state. So that's a very busy live music area, right?
1: Oh yeah. And it's it gets a little crammed in the winter. We have tons of blues clubs here and jazz clubs. That's our big focus. But there's really a lot of different venues here that are great that play all different size of bands and types of bands up to arenas and all that. Sure. But, uh, yeah, it's an active music scene.
0: So um just a little bit about you. Where where are you from originally? What what's your home town, home state?
1: I'm he, I'm a I am i am am a homer. Oh, okay. I I uh, raised in Chicago awesome. and ended up coming back here to help my parents out and ended up growing a business and having a family and never left. Awesome. And it's a wonderful town, but uh yeah, I'm here.
0: So you you went to um you went to university in Iowa, is that correct?
1: My, I've had three degrees. So my bachelor's degree in audiology was from University of Iowa. Okay. It was a great experience for me. Uh, and my master's came from Illinois State University here in, in Illinois. And then I got a doctoral degree from Salish University in Pennsylvania. So uh, that's strictly um, an art. Audi- that's
0: a lot of years of, yeah, a lot of, years of yeah, college. <laughs> lots of
1: years. Mm-hmm.
0: So you, um, I know that you mentioned in your bio that you kind of initially got involved with the Chicago music scene, and that kind of grew into um, being, obviously you were an audiologist already at that point, but you you grew into your concern about musicians' hearing. Tell me about how how that happened, how that came about.
1: You know, I come from a family of musicians. My sisters played multiple instruments. We all grew up taking lessons. I played trumpet. I took trumpet lessons for 12 years, straight so I can play. Uh, my dad had his own big band trumpet player and music was really lively in our house. It wasn't amplified, but it was surely loud enough to. you knew what loudness was. We right. played in bands and orchestras. And as I got to be an audiologist, I hadn't thought about music and, and hearing. Uh, but bands, friends of mine with bands would come to me and say, my singer is going to quit. She's losing her hearing and she doesn't want to do it because she's studying to be an actress and and help us. And I said, have her put in earplugs. And they go, have you ever tried playing with earplugs in? I'm like, no. And I did. And I realized how horrible they were. So I went on a search for ways to filter earplugs, vent it. So it wasn't so reducing. I found a three recording studios here in Chicago that all were willing to work with me with the gear it takes. I didn't have a pink noise generator and these high quality speakers. We could measure the distance from my head and I'd start putting different earplugs in my ear and we had a microphone down, a tiny mic down near my eardrum. So we would just do real-time analyzing of different earplugs and what it did. And the one thing that was common for all of them is it took out all the highs and not as much lows. So the uneven, yeah, that uneven damping, especially the muffling effect of it, makes it impossible for musicians to really even play with accuracy, never mind enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, And that was the real thing. Uh, You know, you don't care what the fidelity of your jackhammer is. You can just turn it down and it (laughs) didn't matter. But now when we're talking about music, it has to have some high fidelity. So I attempted these different options and a local company, Automotive Research, here in Chicago. And its founder and president, Mead Killian, a mentor of mine, just said, gee, I hear you've been working on this and I've got a plug that I think is going to work really well. You want to try it. And so I beta tested this ER ER-15 ear plug back in 1989, Uh, had uh, the bass player, Steve Radby, I hope he doesn't mind, the bass (laughs) player from Pat Matheny was actually the Ah, first player ever to try them. And then I had a couple of people in Chicago Symphony that tried them and everybody was like, wow, I can use this. And I realized there was a pathway for people in the music industry that actually wanted to retain their hearing.
0: Yeah, because that's, I mean, the thing is, you know, we were just talking about that before we went on air. I was with Cirque du Soleil for many years, and they had a really stringent program about checking hearing to protect you because you're doing 10 shows a week. And, you know, musicians, we tend to like, a lot of us like loud music, but you don't really think about the repercussions as you get older, right?
1: Of course. One of the things I always say is, to musicians here, when they come in, I go, your hearing isn't something you always think about. It's the only thing I think about. Yeah. So when you show up here, we're going to look at your hearing and all you have to do is come in once a year and then just follow the instructions. And it's not that limiting. Right. Uh, I, I like things loud. So I'm not one of those finger waggers and I'm not surely one to, to make everything limited to 85 decibels where nobody can enjoy it. Yeah. It's it's given people the correct products and strategies to protect while still maintaining the quality. Right. Your monitors is a good way to do that, and there's some limitations we can talk
0: about. Yeah, and you've um, I know you have your new uh, well, I guess it's technology, but you've updated it. When, actually, let's back up a little bit. When did you find found a uh, Sensophonics originally? Was it I think it was 1985? Is that correct?
1: 1985, the idea of creating these earplugs came around. Okay. 1989 is when it started rolling because I'd actually written an article about these ER fifteen earplugs uh-huh. and everybody was taking notice. So you became or I became the, the expert by default since now, there wasn't another audiologist in the world working with musicians, you become the expert. You're the only one.
0: And this is before the in Inner companies sort of started coming coming out and and into the market, right?
1: Well, there was one that came to me when they saw these articles and said, we're on the same page and asked me if I would join forces and help. And I said, sure, this is great. I'd never heard of in-ear monitors. And we're talking 1989. There was only a maybe right. 10 bands using them back.
0: Then. Yeah. Everybody's using the, the floor wedges at 120 decibels.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so these had round diaphragm, like, a, like an apple earbud type of of transducers in them oh, okay. that sound really good when they're open and able to move. But when you put them in a shell or an ear mold, right. it kind of reduces the movement. So it sounds very mid rangey It loses the mm-hmm. lows and highs. So you'd have to vent it. So oh, when okay. you put a hole in it, Sound would come in from the drum, just the drum kit alone, even if you didn't have any stuff mic'd on, everything was mic'd off stage. You still had a drum kit in a crowd, and you'd have to turn it up to be louder than that, whatever that was. And it
0: becomes a pyramid where you keep going up and up and up volume. So I
1: told him that this wouldn't work for hearing, and he goes, oh, they won't do anything else. And so I designed an ear monitor, the first balanced armature speaker, which actually sounds better the more the ears sealed. Yeah, and that was our first product in 92. And luckily, I had an engineer that heard about it. And he was going to do a show first time only for a a poet named Ken Nordine. He's also a famous voiceover person on TV was just passed away recently. At age 97, but was friends with Ken Kesey and Jerry Garcia and all the Kool-Aid acid people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he did a yeah. thing called word jazz on public radio for 30 years. You might have heard it. And he'd have all these cool jazz musicians. and right. his poetry. Well, he's going to do his first live show. And he called me and he wanted to try the ear monitors. And he liked them for the show. He used them. And then he said, oh, the Grateful Dead engineers were recording the show and wanted to know if you'll make them for the Grateful Dead. Wow. They're interested. And so that's what put me on the map. And then I went to the local sound company, Harry Woods at DB Sound and who was doing the Stones and Aerosmith and all these bands. And he said, hey, I've got this cool, cool new technology. The word, and,
0: that, and that, that's actually, you know, it's funny because that's, a, I've, I've worked with J-Lo and Miley, a bunch of different people. Just, I mean, you've worked with a long list of folks, but the word travels fast, right? When there's a good product, especially something like that where, cause when I, I know my own personal experience being in a large theater or playing in a large venue, you have a lot of ambient sound flying around. You can't, even with good stage monitors, it's hard to hear yourself, right? Sure. So it's nice to have that option.
1: Yeah, and the competitive monitoring is what I was seeing that I would see that the drummer, when we, I, I do courses here. So first off, I'm the only audiologist in making in-ear monitors. And we have here a, a lab where we make things right. and create things. And we also have a clinic. I see, we've seen probably about thirty or 40,000 musicians over the years. We see at least 2,000 a year here, and then we go out and see people and such. So I would hear firsthand from people like yourself, this is what I don't like. This is why I won't wear hearing protection. This is what is in the way of my ear monitoring. This is why I turn them up so loud. And so everything was designed with a solution in mind to help Solve that problem yeah. and still maintain hearing,
0: and and that kind of brings us also to your your new technology or at least updated technology, the three DME um, system. Because one thing about the in ears can be a little weird if you haven't used them is they could you can feel very isolated. It could, it could feel like like this, and this new technology helps to solve that issue. Can you talk about that and the development of that process?
1: Absolutely. It started with again having clients out there. First off, I'll tell you about a study that that got me going totally, and it was the fact that I thought in-ear monitors were safety devices, Uh so I thought, okay, and I had uh, an engineer, used to be an engineer, studying to be an audiologist at Vanderbilt, Jeremy Federman, he's now a researcher for the Navy, brilliant guy, and he said, I'd like to tell, see what the difference is between how a lot of people turn floor wedges compared to ear monitors, and I said, what a great study. He goes, so what we're going to do, I have the way to measure at the eardrum. And so let's put in an ear monitor and tell these artists to turn up to what they like, preferred listening level, Mm -hmm. and we'll record it. And then we'll do a floor wedge and we'll ask and we'll compare the differences and how loud they liked each one. And we had 90 trials. And between those 90 trials, the difference in dBs between floor monitor and in-ear monitor was 0.8 dB.
0: Interesting. Not even
1: one dB difference. If your floor monitor was 100, you put on ear monitors, and guess what? They were yeah. 100.
0: Yeah, you just turn your them Your floor
1: down. monitors were 120, your ear monitors were 120. If they could Interesting. That right? It's the, it's the musician's brain. When you think yeah. about you as a musician, and I know when I played, it's not something that you're born with. There may be some innate stuff, but you have to really learn the right. timbre of your instrument pitch when you're in tune, when you're out of tune tempo, all these different variations and qualities of music. And by the way, loudness is another one, except you're not training loudness. It's just happening around you. Your brain gets so used to this is what's good. So if you've been practicing guitar at 100 dB your whole life, you're going to put on in-ears and you're going to turn it too familiar. <laughs> A 100. And yeah. I'm hearing more details. This is fantastic. Right, exactly. So it scared me because I'd been selling these as protective devices with that assumption that people were turning down, even with these isolating ones. So I said, okay, let's turn, let's turn down the ear monitors and the floor monitors and see how low you can go without being able to play. The, ear mo- the floor monitors could only go down two and a half dB at the right is three. Most everybody was saying, I'd be a little worried. I couldn't hear enough. Right. Ear monitors, the average was six dB down, some 10. Oh, it sounds good here. So if you show people where to turn it, it can be safe. So first off, that brought me to the idea that ear monitors aren't safe by design. They're earphones that you can turn up really loud. So (laughs) it's (laughs) only safe if you turn the volume down and nobody knows. (laughs) Right. We'll talk about that because I have a new piece coming out. In fact, it's patented. And I can talk about it because my competitors and other earphone companies are supporting this it's awesome. called DB Check Pro. It reads the drive voltage of whatever your earphones are plugged into, and it'll read out. It's a little key fob. How loud you're listening in dB to your earphones, oh. and then it tells you how many allowable minutes you have on the OSHA and NIOSH scales. Two different
0: That's scales. Super, super smart. Yeah.
1: Just get you. And so I was just going to put mine on there, and I put everybody on there. Put all my competitors. I put Sennheiser. I put sure. Put all the different headphones, studio phones. And I was waiting for a negative reaction and they're all calling me up. Thank you so much. We didn't ever, yeah. you know, we don't want to hurt anybody. Everybody's into it. They go, this is long overdue. People need to know how loud they're listening to. You can make right. a choice, but at least you didn't know.
0: Right. And these companies, you know, they're fans of music. They care about the musicians. They don't want people hurting themselves because you, yeah, you can, not you know, when you're standing not. next to the marshal, right. you're thinking, oh, I'll just turn up my ears. But, you know, that does take a toll, right? <laughs>
1: Right. So nobody's doing that or saying, who cares? You know, I had one guitarist who had backstage had me after a show famous guy. And and so was the Marshall guy. And he looked at both of us. Do you guys know each other? And we met and He goes, you ruined my hearing. You saved my hearing, you know?
0: <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, I think as a you know, we want to, as we age, you know, I'm, I'm getting in my, I'm in my mid fifties. And as we age, you know, we want to retain our hearing. We want to be able to create, and even just talk <coughs> and yeah, listen but... to people, you know, it's so important.
1: Right. So back to these isolating ear monitors. So so it made me realize that not everybody's safe using these things. And now we can come up with a way to try and show them how loud it was. I used to actually stick the probe in their ear with a sound level meter and I'd have to get on stage <laughs> at sound check and yeah. take everybody's levels. And it I did it for hundreds yeah, of people. That's great, though. But it was always inconvenient. And the band was having a bad day. If you're a listener, right. sometimes it was like... <laughs> they don't want to do it today. And I'm like, I just exactly. traveled two hours, right? So it wasn't very practical to go out and do it for every band to have them set levels. So that's why this product came. But but I'd always see them pulling one out mm. of their head. And here's the thing, as again, as an audiologist, I know the idea that you hear with your brain, binaural summation, it sounds complicated. Two ears binaural summating together gives you a perceptual increase of a 60 mm. dB louder. That's twice as intense and and about over half as loud, right? So 10 dB is twice as loud perceptually. 3 dB is twice as intense. And we measure injury by intensity. So when you have two together, if you put 90 dB and 90 dB of music, your brain's going to go, oh, it's 96. It sounds really plenty loud. And you're only giving your ears 90 each. Well, one out, and now, oh, this one's got to go up 6 dB to make it sound 96 because you don't have that binaural right. summation. Oh, and by the way, this ear doesn't have any protection anymore. It's getting bashed by a drum kit and whatever else is going on the back of the PA or whatever. And if it gets loud enough in this ear, because you're hearing with your brain, it'll start masking out the other ear. I've experienced that back. exact same. And I explained that to a lot of people, go, what do you mean? I go, well, if you're in a crowded place and you're on a cell phone and you can't hear, if you cover the ear, can't you hear better? Yes. Well, so what happens is the open ear is getting bashed and the other ear is getting bashed. And so it's actually probably worse for your hearing than using none. It may sound fine. So I asked him, why are you doing that? Oh, it's I'm in a fishbowl. I'm too isolated. I look out, I see a bunch of open mouths. I can't it's like I'm in a fishbowl. So of course, everybody would put a shotgun or ambient mics facing the audience. And now, and it's a right. great idea and you can bring some in. The other option was pull one out or stick a hole in it. Oh, I got holes in them, now I can hear again. But of course there goes your hearing because there's no reduction of sound level. So, so those two, don't pull one out and don't put a hole in it. Those are bad for your hearing keep two in and use the audience Mm. mics and that seemed to improve things. But then you'd still see him doing that. And I go, a couple artists. And I'm like, what are you doing? They go, it's not the same. Those audience mics aren't the same. And I had one say to me when I run to the front of the stage and a girl says, I want to have your babies. I want to know which one said it. And he goes with two, my ears aren't here and there. He goes, they're right here. He goes, I'd like my ears to travel with me. He goes, these are stationary the ears <laughs> on either side of the stage. He goes, that's not our I yeah. I didn't do that. He goes, I move around. So I thought, okay, so they're losing spatial cues of a large room because it makes right. you feel like you're in a closet, but you're looking into a large room, right? It's like going into a closed closet with your blindfolded and walking into a gymnasium. You don't have to hear it, but you know, you went from a small space to a big space. You just know it. You can hear it Well, they're exactly. seeing the big space and they here in the closet. And then the drummer who used to be here, yeah,
0: it's weird, and their guitar <laughs>
1: player over here. Now they're just all right here. And no matter where I go, they don't move ever. I turn around, yeah. look at my drummer. He's still behind me.
0: Right. I can't, I can't get away from him. <laughs> so
1: they pull one out and they get those cues back at the expense of their hearing. So I thought, let's design a microphone, put them in the ear monitors and activate the mic so that they mm-hmm. can hear and we can reduce it turn the levels down so you're not too loud, but now you're getting all those cues at a reduced level, but it's a full bandwidth mic. It goes 20 to 20 K. It's got headroom up to 140 DB without clipping. So it can handle the intensity and wow. it's in analog. Yeah. It wasn't any digital in it. So it's real time hearing what you want to hear. Yeah. And that's how it started to keep them both in the ears. So now you get all your spatial and localization yeah. cues mixed in.
0: And that's, what's great about that too is, you know, having that there on board, but essentially with you, um, you don't have to depend on a monitor guy to feed that into your ears, right? Because that that's that's part of the thing too. And then that disorientation aspect of having in ears, which I mean, I have these in now. Um, if you can't hear, like you said, the space around you, or if you can't, if it doesn't move with you, um, it can be really right. like unnatural. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah, and so that's the reason for the one one ear pullout, and that was the motivation to create the 3D. So it was called the 3D arrow. Right. Uh, and all it had was the ability to open up the pack and, and with a control, turn down the mic in four dB steps or bring it up to zero. There was also a switch that allowed you to go from whatever reduced ability you, ha- you wanted to have, bring it down 15 dB for the stage level through the mics. But then between songs, you could click a button and it's like you pulled them out of your head. We EQ'd the mics, you know, an ear canal, which people don't realize, has a resonant frequency. It's a tube, like any other tube it resonates and it's mostly around three to 4,000 Hertz. The amplitude, the the size of that, the additional volume could be anywhere from six dB to 26 dB louder. And so the reason people are hearing from loud sound in the three to six K Hertz region, everybody is because of that resonance peak, a big part of it is because of the resonant peak. So we see the Ah, same hearing injuries frequency in people in the right. military, as we do for a violin player in the Chicago Symphony, or a metal drum player, or, or a minor, or whatever. Everybody gets hurt. Different sounds, always in the three to six K range, so we can identify that noise loss.
0: And that, I mean, losing that range, you know, that's where we, where we can, you know, basically when people are talking, that that's so important, right? To understand words, semblance, when you start losing that, you're, you can't That's right. communicate properly.
1: Uh, I actually had a couple of hearing impaired musicians who had severe loss, not from playing music, just from other circumstances, by the way, musicians can lose hearing for other reasons. Sure. And said, gee, you know, I can't play. I don't have a monitor engineer. I go to a club and I have a wedge and my hearing's so bad. If I turn that wedge to what I like. It chases everybody out of the room, so I can't even play live anymore. But I noticed you have microphones right. and an output. You could take binaural recordings from them. Couldn't I feed that output into a mixer ah. and mix these mics from my hearing loss and correct it? And I'm like, sure, if you want to try it. And he called me back. He cried. He said, I haven't heard wow. those songs, those sounds in so long. And so we started demoing it to people and it got into one of the magazines, the pro audio magazines. And all of a sudden people started calling for appointments to come and use mm-hmm. it. And they would cry because they could hear again. And I'm like, this is needed. There's a lot of injury out there, right? right? So it's too big a stuff. And I met a, a guy uh, through friends and an associate, Heather Maddock, my, my uh, famous audiology Compatriot, she went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and found a gentleman that knew a person that could help me. I, I, I didn't have the funding to, or the ability to create apps or create a Bluetooth connection to patch. Right. You'd have to be, but this company did. So we joined forces and we created the 3DME, which is music enhancement. And we turned it from a custom only $2,500 product into a universal fit $700 product.
0: Right. So, and when you say universal fit, that that's when people can actually use the um, with they have the, the I guess foam tips, uh, ears. Which which, right?
1: Yeah, we give foam tips with it. You can also customize that with a foam oh, okay. uh, with a custom sleeve. So we make a sleeve that all you can slide the earphone into. Or soon coming out is the complete custom, which is all what everybody wants on the a list side is to have the the big huge custom earphones in their ear that. That's just the way it goes. Everybody wants that. Nobody wants to wear a universal fit in the A the and B list, people. So we have that coming out soon.
0: And you have, um, with, with Sensophonics, you have audiologists, basically approved audiologists that work with your company that make the molds, right? Because that's a very specific process.
1: You know, the making of the molds is something that I can teach okay. anybody to do without being an audiologist. That's really not the key. The key is the knowledge of hmm. hearing and music, which none of us have. <laughs> yeah. They don't teach that in school. Well, they don't. So so I run courses here, seminars. It's a two-day seminar about here's the stage. Here's a floor monitor. Why are those out there? They don't know. They didn't know there was a monitor engineer. Most people going to a big show at, at an arena don't know there's some guy on stage mixing right. separately for yeah. the band. Right. So this is the knowledge base is nothing. And they always say, why don't they yeah, just turn it down? <laughs> and I yeah. go, OK, drummer. And so we have a live band set up and I go, drummer, play. <laughs> Good luck with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but even just just even this, the thing I'd say, OK, drummer, just play. Right. Don't kill it. Give us a beat. And everybody's looking at their meters going. That's 100 dB. I go, right. Yeah. And he's not even killing it. So you have to hear louder than the drums to hear yourself. So now you get it, right? So we can make the drummer Good luck, play yeah. <laughs> loud, but then <laughs> exactly. it takes all the fun out. So it's just loud. Music yeah. is loud. It just is. Who's so some of the I mean
0: I know you loud. have a long list, but who are some of the bands uh, that that you guys work with, some of those the well-known bands? Um, I know it's a very long list, but who are some of your ones that you really love working with?
1: You know the the thing is there is two. St- I wear two hats. One is a doctor of audiology, and the other one is a manufacturer right. of products. So, the only thing I'm actually morally and legally oh, okay. able to talk about are the ones using the products, not the ones. And I have oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> stories. But, but I, unfortunately for the for the listeners, I can't share that, nor would I. Uh, everybody, privacy is a big thing, and I think that's that's a whole thing, especially. With this 3d me this is one of the things again we discovered it is now a product that is got the microphones in it just like the other one except now you have an app a bluetooth a connection to the pack the app has controls over the microphones you can go up you can adjust the controls
0: save them and that saves to the ears right yeah so
1: Absolutely. And then there's a limiter. So you can set this limiter. It is a very, just a peak limiter. It's not going to kill you, but it'll keep the average levels Mm -hmm. to where you set it. Average, right? Right. So it's not squashing everything, no compression, but it's just limiting. And so you can enhance the frequencies with a 7 band EQ. So let's say you've lost some hearing, you can change what you need, or you want to tune your earplug oh, I think I need a little more low and the highs are in too brighter, I need more high. It's, it's a tunable earplug. And so when we work with the symphonies, it's the greatest thing. They're not using ear monitors. They, don't, they couldn't mic every instrument, but it's an earplug that suddenly we present it to certain people. I've done a number mm-hmm. of orchestras with Heather. And we count yeah. how many criers and literally there are criers every demo. And I know who they are. They're the people that are losing hearing right. that are first chair that know that somebody wants their job and they're never going to say they can't hear as well, right. but they know they're not playing as well. They know it. And all of a sudden now they've corrected it and nobody knows. They don't know if you're just protecting yourself. You just turn it right. down. Nobody knows sure. what you're doing with that thing. True your app on your phone.
0: But I mean, it's the thing, you know. When, you, when you're, um, and I mean, yeah, I've I've lived that with with Cirque du Soleil, and, and you know, when you're making a living, and that your living is dependent on being able to hear, it becomes crucially important to preserve that and protect it isn't at the that, same time. And I'm sure, yeah.
1: Isn't that funny about hearing how once it get, starts getting injured, people start getting concerned?
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, and it's you know? it's the prevention. I mean, that that's. Uh, Let's, and I want to actually talk about the World Health Organization. Sure. That, that's really interesting. And I, I, we you have a, you have so much history there, uh, and and you know with, with different um, groups, NASA and SpaceX, which we'll also touch on. But um, tell me how, tell me how you actually uh, got involved with the World Health Organization and their their um, project to protect hearing.
1: Okay, sure. You know, in that's a big subject. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a great subject. In two thousand fifteen, yeah. I was invited to Geneva, Switzerland for a stakeholders meeting, the first one for what they call the Listen Safe Initiative. And what the World Health Organization determines are pandemics and other things as we well know now what a pandemic is, don't we?
0: Right.
1: Uh, and so in 2015, they did a bunch of research and said that, that the next pandemic is going to be hearing loss. They were wrong, it's, it was COVID, but yeah. the next pandemic hearing loss, <coughs> excuse me. And. They predicted over a billion people between the ages of 15 and 35 will lose hearing in the next 15 to 20 years. That's right. huge. All yeah. because mainly because of listening devices and the portable, portability yeah, loud music walking can, around and having sure. stuff in your ears. Right. So they called a bunch of experts in audiologists like myself, they brought in all the standards organizations, ITU, ISO, CineLEC, ANSI, all these groups came in and then Apple and Samsung and Bose and Sony and Anheuser and all the manufacturers and the president of consumer electronics. And the statement to them was, there are warning labels on pillows telling you not to get too close to an open flame. And yet there are millions of people injuring themselves with your device every day and there's no warning or if there is, it's not very accurate. And what we wanna do is show you how to give them the warning accurately, when to warn them with science and ask you just not asking you to force it just to tell people, Oh, by the way, you're too loud right now. You're going to hurt Yeah,
0: Develop some stand, some standards from the industry. And,
1: and right? so they bought in. And in fact, right now, and I'll tip my hat to Apple, Apple was at every meeting, Raj Desai mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, I have a couple of friends there, so Kuba Mazer and uh, and I go way back. But anyway, they were at all yeah. the meetings, and Apple has adapted it now. If you go to their health thing, they'll they actually have a warning when you're listening too loud. They the phone will say you you're, you've exceeded your daily dose of loudness That's for the day. And you right. can say don't show me this, but at least they're doing it, and they can set parental yeah. controls. So that was the first meeting of it, and it was very effective. And of course, it took us years to come up with the document for Apple or other or Samsung or whoever to use because this is a real forum of people that get together. So you've got 80 experts that are geniuses. I'm the dumb guy in the right. group, I'm telling you. And <laughs> so just coming to consensus with all these experts, <clears throat> I respect the whole organization, but the, yeah. the hearing division, Dr. Shelley Chad is the head She's an ear, nose, and throat doctor from India. Mm. She works in public health. She is fantastic. Uh, it's been a great experience for me because it seems like all they care about is health, and they want a consensus. They don't force right. anything. You want you 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 can't be there if you're a commercial member trying. You have flooded, You have some financial gains. You can't come in. It's very clean. So when somebody goes, oh, the drug companies and the who got together. I, they just are so particular about never being accused of that because that would be, that would end them, yeah. right? So. Yeah. And I
0: think, I mean, the thing is the World Health Organization does so much good, you know, there, there's the, there's always political stuff that, you know, it's, it has nothing to do with your mission. And I think that that, you know, hearing is a universal issue, right? It, it, that's, and you, especially with young children, if you can get them when they're young and teach them proper um, hearing protection, that's really so important, I think.
1: Yeah, March 3rd is World Hearing Day. Uh, This year's theme is hearing care for all. Mm -hmm. So the World Hearing Forum has been recently developed. There is the World Hearing Report, which will be the first one launched. In other words, Ah. they actually have a report for hearing and hearing care around the world. The first time it's ever been done. That's going to be launched at this meeting on May 3rd. And of course, the World Hearing Day. They have a hearathon. so the, all these activities are going around the globe. They all launch at 2 p.m. local time, so there's an activity or a group of them going on around the world with different groups and ministers of health and right. teachers and deaf people, and it's everything, right?
0: It's very exciting, and I actually, and they also have, if people can find them, um, I just actually in the last couple of days found them on Facebook. Um, there's hashtags. Um, there's a lot of information out there that, that folks can access, right?
1: So if you guys want to go to the Facebook page, it is the World Hearing Forum, Uh, Change makers is what you would look for. Uh, And the hashtags are, of course, hashtag world hearing forum and world hearing day and uh, safe listening. That's my group. So the four groups are the the world hearing report, the world hearing day people that plan this day. Uh, There is the champions group to try and get famous celebrities to try and promote hearing. And then there's the listen safe group. That's my group. I've been a core member since 2015. So now that we've finished our, we're still working on some, but most of the main objectives of the documents that were low for devices that were uh, finally launched in 2018, February, we had a big, huge celebration we've moved on to venues. Now. Awesome. So the next thing is trying to figure out how to keep concerts safer for audiences.
0: That's and that's such a, such a great mission and I mean it, the thing is you're and people may not realize it at the at the time but down the road years from now they're going to really appreciate what the work you're doing. It's so important, I think.
1: Yeah. It's fantastic, yeah. And so it's a great group. So that's that's the thing with the World Health. It's a bunch of experts there. Uh, I'm a little bit of an outlier, probably because I'm I'm not connected with the university, which a lot right. of them are, and and researchers, which I, I do some research, but I'm not considered a researcher in my mind.
0: But you're you're but you're the real world guy. You're the implement implement.
1: Yeah, it's so important. They need some real world once in a while, especially. Uh, yeah, this group might sometimes need that because. You know they were making decisions one time about how loud a concert should be and all these people were demanding that we should make measurements and keep it at a yeah. safe level and i said okay but when you're making the measurements with microphones and the crowd starts screaming and that's 110 dB, who gets fined the band we must <laughs> teach them not to scream loud and then yeah. i realized that some of these people don't ever go right. to shows and so i said how many of you have been to a rock show in the last 20 years, and out of 30 people, yeah. like one, and I'm like, and you're making decisions. I said, maybe you should go yeah. to a like few shows. The symphony
0: is a little bit different than the Stones, right? <laughs> it's all good. It's just different. Um, and one thing that's really interesting also about your background is is the whole association with NASA, SpaceX. Can Tell, tell me how that how that came about.
1: Like everything else, you know, when you have a mission and you believe in what you're doing, things just mm-hmm. come to you. And actually, I had, it started with a guy coming to me at a, at a big music show, an right. AM show, looking at my ear monitors and saying, and he had a suit on, he to look very out of place. He goes, could you make one with a mic on it that goes like a noise canceling mic? And I go, maybe. And he goes, I'm with the Chicago Board of Trade and we're looking for communication devices wow. for the floor because they're all on right. cell phones yep. now for faster trading. And so I went to a company here, Knowles Electronics, and uh, they helped me develop the product with one of their mics. And, uh, and it took off and then NASA came to Knowles and said, we need a communications device for wow. our astronauts. And do you know anybody? Can you guys make something? No, but we know a company that is. And they said them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so luckily I actually spoke a lot with uh, Dr. Steve Hart, who's still there. He's a flight mes- medicine mm-hmm. doctor. I don't think he's director. He should be, but he's anyway, been there a long time. And he embraced it all wow. very much. So, and we started, uh, back with 99 and 1999 uh, yeah. putting things on. I, I can't tell you everything about what goes up there. Um, they do have one of our ear monitor sets that they use to work out in uh, the space station has a noise floor that constant. And so they need a break yeah. from that. And we have plugs that they special plugs they use on entry and exit and all this stuff into the atmosphere. Yeah, it's interesting. I like when people go, does your silicone last very long? And areas always go through mach 5
0: right and you mentioned too like before we went on air that there's i mean there's a lot of testing on the on the components on the chemicals everything right yeah because you don't want to have a bad surprise in the space station of course yeah. right
1: so you know, that's been a really rewarding thing we've been very grateful to be part of that we were really with the space shuttle program until it ended and of course now we go with whoever's launching up there right. you know it's been the russians basically uh. and been bringing everybody to the space station so we work with Russian cosmonauts and anybody that's going up to the space station pretty much gets Sensophonics products. That's
0: exciting. I mean, you know.
1: The research going on with and some of the issues with wearing things up there right. and all that that I probably shouldn't share. But
0: And you, you've actually um, you, you mentioned that you've gone down to Houston, actually, some, and, and witnessed some of the trainings and. That must be must be exciting. Yeah.
1: It's it's really fascinating. The whole thing is just amazing, and how and of course I love the whole astronaut space stuff. Of course, <laughs> so it's like you know, it was really exciting for me. But yeah, there's a huge giant mega pool, mm-hmm. big swimming pool with a space station in it, and they have their spacesuit side on there and they're doing the things they practice before they go up to the space station. Sure. I thought that was fantastic, and I. I shouldn't divulge anymore. I don't know how much
0: it's secret. Yeah, so. it's okay. Yeah, I just I, it's so exciting. And I you know when I was reading your background, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because we see these companies like your Sensophonics is known as a live music, you know, inner monitors and but you're doing so much more than that with with your education. Well, that's our
1: focus though. Has always been that. And then when somebody else comes to us, of course, like a NASA, we're not going to do it. Or yeah. we've gotten into the racing too. We we were in the Indy Racing League. Uh, we were the only earpiece they could use for 10 years oh, uh, because we actually incorporated MEMS, head accelerometers, these MEMS boards that were accelerometers measuring G-force and oh. twisting on the head right. that would feed it to an onboard computer so they could study what happens when somebody gets in an accident to make safer right. head restraints because that's where the injuries are called, well, neck injuries yeah. and head injuries. It's, it's, so,
0: it's, it's great that you're able to, I mean, Obviously, you have the company, but also that you're able to keep your passion. You obviously have a passion for protection, for education, um, and I think that that's so important.
1: I have a passion for hearing. Well, hearing, yes. <laughs> and the fact that I, I just want to say, hearing people just—you don't know until you lose it, right? right. So it's—and people say, why don't musicians protect themselves more? Because I mean, it's there's no deaf musicians, and the ones that are hearing impaired, I see them. They come in here crying because yeah. they know they're not enjoying what they used to do i've had people tell me they play by rote yeah i can only hear enough i've done this on 40 was, 40 million that was the john entwistle story
0: but... right john had it had, had he couldn't oh. he got to the point where he just really couldn't couldn't hear it. sad
1: yeah well he's not the only one we and they're still out there believe me they still play yeah. so so it happens and and uh um anyway
0: yeah that's you know um the, your new technology so that was that actually the 3D ME was that released at this year's uh, virtual NAM show or
1: it was released last year at okay. the 219 ah. but you know and we were really all set we it's really started to go and then it just dropped off the face of the earth like every other product that Sensophonics makes for you know in in April and things just started going downhill for right. us because nobody's buying nobody's it yeah, yeah yeah so luckily you know we've been able to surf through it but uh but yeah, that's been around for a while. The beauty of it is that, okay, so you've got these active microphones, even if you didn't use them for the performance because you like the isolation, right. even between songs, you can just hit a button and talk to each other while I rip out of your head. So we've got worship leaders at these mega churches that like to wear your monitors, but as soon as they finish singing, they've got to pull them out. So they can feel connected to the congregation and then put them back in for the song. And now they punch a button and it goes to full ambience and they can talk to everybody in the congregation and leave them activated and down when they're singing and they still feel connected. They aren't disconnected anymore. Yeah,
0: you don't have to constantly be doing this, pulling them in and out. And yeah,
1: that's right. And we did demos to the Royal Opera House and BBC Orchestra Mm -hmm. in London, and they loved them compared to anything else they've tried and they've tried everything. Yeah. Uh, from baffles to plugs to all kinds of things. And these really allowed them to tune their instruments. So it's a great earplug. And uh, I just had a band buy them locally here because they realized they didn't have to mic their own, each other's instruments to hear each other. Yeah. Because for a local band, when you think about it, you'd like to wear in ears, but the problem is, You don't have the, you can't carry a big board that has all these buses to take everybody's mix and send it into yours and yours into theirs. Maybe the guitar players,
0: maybe the monitor guy or whatever. And even if
1: they have it, they don't have the time. So a lot of them are are just using what the guy gives them in a wedge from front of house. Or if they have their own little board for in-ears, they can put themselves in there. But then they have to try and hear each other. So this guy said, you mean... I can just turn on these mics and mix everybody in and we don't have to worry about micing every instrument for each other. I go, right, this is it. He goes, so I can just put my own vocal and guitar in my in-ears and then just hear the band naturally. And it, we could use these at clubs. We can go anywhere with yeah. this setup. And so, so that's another use for yeah. it. So it, it's really multi-use and. Uh, yeah. It's,
0: it's so, so smart. And I think that's uh, like somebody, I, I personally have been using ears since 2003. And I, I totally like when I, when I um, first talked to your, your guy, Jack, works with their company and we talked about the technology i'm like i totally get 100% what that is because <laughs> i'm so you know I, i'm used to this sensation and being able to just hear yeah. like naturally and and it's it creates a much better comfort zone for musicians
1: and even those i go oh i i, I kind of like the isolation i go well you could just let in few dB yeah. You could just to give you some air feeling right I mean just even if you don't want to hear a lot you, you have control over that volume
0: right? yeah it's control that's the thing and, and the control and safer and, and uh, control the volume level well then the
1: EQ and the limiter those are the three main things that has memory so if you're in a jobbing band and you have like you're doing a jazz trio and you want to use it for that and then you go out and do a metal band right, the yeah. next night or something you can have two presets you just can memorize them you don't have to sit there and we re, re-EQ uh, it every time. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Um, how can people um, reach you? I guess, well, sensophonics.com, I think, is your website, right?
1: That is correct. And the 3DME, which is a joint venture, is called ASIAudio.com. A-S-I-Audio.com, yeah, by Sensophonics.
0: And great. And then people, if they have more questions, there's, I mean, there's a lot of information on the website, but they can also reach you through the website uh, via email, correct?
1: Correct. Absolutely. I'm always happy to talk to anybody.
0: That's terrific. Thank you so much, Michael, for all the information. I, I Thanks, we could Carol. actually we could go on for for a long time. You have so much I'm background.
1: Sure could. <laughs> but all right, uh, I really appreciate it. I'm grateful for the time.
0: Well, awesome, and I appreciate your time and, and uh, all the efforts from your staff helping us put this together. And uh, the World Health Organization um, is doing some great stuff for this, so we'll be definitely be participating. And the, they're aware of what we're doing, so.
1: Yeah. Okay. All you people remember to tweet something or or hashtag something or go to the sense of phonics or even, even to your site and and hashtag, you know,
0: yeah. we'll get the, we'll help get the word out for sure. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate
1: it. Thanks so much. Great. All right. Thanks, Daryl.
0: Thanks for joining us and please consider subscribing to our podcast and follow us on our social media pages for guest announcements.